on this episode of the Jeff Does Vegas podcast. It's just kind of crazy, like thinking back of like, wow, I was there six months ago and just never thought anything of it. Like, you know, just the shit that we would do being crowded at a bar, going in, hugging people, high-fiving, you know, being six at a blackjack table, trying sips of drinks, touching chips and touching my face nervously and not thinking anything of it, not having to pull a mask down to take a drink. Like it was just so normal. In Spanish, its name means the Meadows. You might know it as the entertainment capital of the world, lost wages, or simply Sin City. Of course, I'm talking about fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. On average, 42 million people visit Las Vegas every year, and I'm one of them. I love this city. The sights, the sounds, the shows, the people, the history. I want to share all of it with you. Taking you to the world-famous Vegas Strip and beyond, my name is Jeff, and this is the Jeff Does Vegas Podcast. Hey there, and welcome to episode number 68 of the Jeff Does Vegas Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me on this podcast adventure to my favorite city in the world, fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. Before we get things rolling for this episode of the show, I want to thank my guest from the last episode, Vegas entertainer Justin Michael Rodriguez. Justin is one of the performers in the show Extreme Live at The Link. Justin and I chatted about his growing up in Las Vegas, the time he spent on tour with a major Broadway production, and what the future of entertainment in Las Vegas might look like. If you haven't checked it out yet, jump into the archives wherever you get your podcasts and search out episode number 67, my special guest, Justin Michael Rodriguez, or head to the website at jeffdoesvegas.com. All right, here we go. On to the show. Sergio Portizan is the creator of the website Viva Las Value, an awesome site jammed with tips and tricks on how to do Las Vegas on a budget. Sergio is also my very first ever three-peat guest, and his two previous appearances on the show are among the top 10 most downloaded episodes of the podcast of all time. I asked Sergio to jump back on with me again for a couple of reasons. First off, me being in Canada, with the border between us and the United States currently closed, I'm unable to get to Las Vegas, but Sergio is, so I asked if he'd be willing to do a trip report by proxy and share a few reviews from his most recent trek to Sin City. Speaking of which, Sergio's most recent trip happened during the reopening weekend following the COVID-19 shutdown of the Las Vegas Strip and downtown Las Vegas. As such, I wanted to talk to him and get his thoughts and feelings about being there, get his opinions on how he thought Las Vegas was doing, welcoming back visitors, and most importantly, whether or not he'd be heading back down for another trip anytime soon. Please enjoy my conversation with Sergio Portizan of Viva Las Value. Let's start, first of all, with the fun stuff, the trip report by proxy. You're a big downtown guy, so you started your trip staying downtown, right? Yeah. So kind of decided I wanted to split between downtown and the strip to just kind of see how they were differing in COVID and to kind of get a little taste of both. I also went with my boyfriend and it was his first time. So I wanted to kind of give him both and see what he liked more. Mm -hmm. So I lucked out and won actually the free flight from Derek Stevens. Yeah. So, yeah. And 
I, I really lucked out because I got a Southwest flight. So <laughs> even better than, you know, being stuck on, I thought it was going to be a Allegiant one because I know they have a partnership or spirit or something. Yeah. Um, but Alex actually got one too. So there were a couple out of Denver. There was a frontier one as well as Southwest. Um, unfortunately we weren't able to get on the same one. Um, but the communication, so he ended up just flying out on mine because Southwest is flexible. But, um, when I was at the gate, the, the agent told me that there were 25 different people that were on that flight with me that had won the promotion. It was really scary because my name came over the intercom and they're like, Sergio, Sergio, come to the desk. And I'm like, oh my God, that's me. What, what happened? What did I do? And apparently I was the only one that had checked a bag out of that list. So that's how they had my name to call. Mm-hmm. And they, they didn't have a way to track. We were all in the same reservation. So the D handled the check-in and did all of that which was a little unnerving for me because I didn't really have any proof other than an email from (laughs) the concierge of the D saying that I had this flight until I got to the airport, which is an hour and a half away and gave my ID. And then, you know, they printed it and it was all good to go. But that was pretty awesome. And the best part for my fellow low rollers out there is since it was Southwest, I was able to get $50 of match play from the D for my free flight. Unfortunately, I lost both of them. The match play was pretty brutal this trip. So you almost kind of made money on the free flight, but not really. You're, you're no. <laughs> I guess I just paid the D fifty bucks for my free flight <laughs> with that match play. So you started at the D. Now I I've never stayed at the D. I've never stayed downtown. So for my listeners that maybe have never stayed downtown or never stayed at the D, and this is kind of it's a. I mean, you've stayed at the D before, right? Mm-hmm. So the, this this was kind of a weird, different kind of experience of staying at the D versus what you would normally experience. But but for those that that are not familiar with the D, fill everybody in kind of on the the hotel and and what the experience is like. I think kind of you have to recognize the D in comparison to the Golden Gate, which of course is Derek Stevens' other property. And if you gamble much, if at all. Um, with Club One, which is their players program. And you can be getting, you know, easy comps at the Golden Gate, but those rooms suck. I'm the furthest from a snob. All I need to do in my room is like shower, shit, sleep. And, you know, I'm only sleeping for like five or six hours. So I'm not, I'm not picky at all, but the the Golden Gate is the one place I won't stay even free. (laughs) Um, It's just, the walls are thin. I've had some real bad hangovers there, which doesn't help, but it's just brutal. Like, so if, if I can't handle it, I can't recommend it in good faith to anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, but the D is miles above. Um, and the rooms are pretty decent. I mean, it's, it's nothing super remarkable. It's probably, I would say, comparable to like a Bally's, Harris, kind of like mid-low range. Nothing too fancy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, good, good options and stuff. Typically, you can get like a buy one, get one through the Players Club. Um, And I looked out, I got a buy one, get one um, on the weeknight, which their players website is kind of a mess. So definitely just call and talk to someone. I was trying to do it online and it was going to be like 120. And then I called and talked to someone. They got me a lower rate and it ended up being like 60 bucks. No resort resort fee since it was comp. So Mm -hmm. great deal. The resort fee is 30 bucks a night, which kind of sucks downtown. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you're just like, oh, so that had kind of kept me away before, but Really, I think after after this day, it's going to be at the top of my list for downtown. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't stayed at the Nugget. 
I've been in a room in the Grand. I would say those are probably the top three downtown. Um, if you want a nicer room, Four Queens and Binions are completely serviceable, no resort fee. They're, I'd say, just kind of old and bland. Kind of reminds me of like a hotel caught in the 80s over there. Right. But the D definitely has the energy that that casino does. Um, one thing that's kind of weird is getting in the elevator. You don't get to press a button. There's someone who stands there and they ask what floor you're on. And then they hit it and it points you to a different elevator, um, which is kind of a pain when you're going back late at night and drunk and just kind of waiting. But <laughs> it is it is unique there. Um, but pretty quiet rooms can get some cool views. Um, I could see the downtown Grand from mine. It's nothing super special, but I like the D a lot. I like the view bar. So it's great to just be able to go right upstairs. And they have, I mean, do they have pretty decent amenities as far as food and stuff on site? And I know they, I was excited about the D because they had just opened uh, right before everything kind of shut down. And I was looking forward to going and checking out their Bar Canada, which is their new Canadian bar. Yes. Um, did you get a chance to go check that out while you were there? I finally did make it to Bar Canada. Yeah. And it was pretty cool. They had the, it was a bummer gambling wise because they did not have the uh, bonus poker progressives there, mm-hmm. which was a little disappointing because I love doing that at V-Bar. But I think I ended up playing Deuces Wild with the progressive. Um, but they had four different like Canadian um, beers on tap, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So they had some, uh, I think they had blue, of course. Of course, and then yeah. They had two Unibro. Um, they had Fond du Monde and another one, which I was kind of surprised that they had such a boozy one there. Yeah. Um, but they had two of those. And then I think some like Canadian craft brewery that I'd never heard of. They didn't throw in like a standard Molson Canadian or anything like that in there. I think there was a Molson too. There was a Molson, I think. Yeah. Cause I feel like if you don't put Molson Canadian in a, in a Canadian bar, either Molson Canadian or Moosehead, you have, you have officially failed as a Canadian bar. <laughs> I would say they definitely, definitely have the kind of the spread, but I was impressed as a craft beer guy that they had the, the two Unibrews and service was great there. It was pretty slow. Um, and it, the one complaint I had beyond the, the video poker being not as great at pay tables, the lights above kind of shine down and are hard to like, look at your screen. Uh-huh. It's like, like they did not a gambler did not design bar Canada right beautiful bar very elegant if you take away the video poker amazing but when you're trying to gamble it's like oh come on lights shining down yeah yeah I know he uh, Derek Stevens was talking I remember when they were launching that and and putting it all together because the D does a fair bit of, of stuff with the Golden Knights and and they do a lot of downtown um watch parties and things like that for the game so I know I think that was kind of their their plan was to get all of this stuff going for the tail end of the the NHL season so that when playoffs went, I mean, this would have been, you know, us Canadians who who love our hockey, um, this would have been the destination. Like, again, I've said before, I'm not a big downtown guy. I would go downtown to watch hockey in in a Canadian bar with a bunch of fellow Canadians. I think that would just be an absolute blast. Yeah, I feel like I didn't get the full experience without the NHL. Yeah. But I definitely would like to check that out. Um, in terms of other amenities, I think that would be my one knock against the D compared to some other properties downtown um, is the food options aren't too great if you're one of the like strictly stand property. Of course, downtown's so walkable. You can go anywhere and, sure. you know, I don't really eat too much um, within the properties. But the the D Grill, which is like their coffee shop, was closed 
they hadn't reopened yet, which was unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's Andiamo, which is like the fancy steakhouse that I've never been to, and American Coney Island, which is very regrettable, but very good, keeping <laughs> um, good value. And then there's the McDonald's, but you can't use your comp dollars there. So where I always end up using my my uh, comp dollars because they're pretty generous, I'll get like 15 from the Golden Gate and 25 from the D typically, is that Project Barbecue um, food truck. And it's kind of by Circa. Um, and they got pretty good stuff there. It's definitely overpriced if you're not using comp dollars. Um, I think it's like 13 bucks for like three tacos, but right. you can, you can load up and get like a nice like meal drink or meal and dessert, um, with the comp dollars. So that's what we ended up doing both days. That's not too bad. Then as far as your, um, your gambling downtown this time around, how did that work out for you? I know you're a, you're, you're a video poker guy in a big way. And, and I mean, you've always, you always seem to do okay with the video poker. How did it go for you this time? It was wasn't great it wasn't ugly no royals um and no no premium four of a kinds really um or straight flush or anything kind of enough four of a kinds to to keep treading water um but not enough to come out ahead the part that was really brutal did a american casino guide coupon run um and i think i hit two match plays total and one of them was ten dollars of course so it's just like it was it was a pretty pretty rough run the first two days i think i lost the entire bankroll each day yeah but then i kind of had a a good day where i i hit a few kind of squirreled some away didn't get around to all of it and that kind of kept me middle so i lost about half the bankroll this trip which wasn't too bad um luckily some some nice uh viva Las value followers like sent me some money to make bets for them and that kind of helped me keep afloat and got me back in. So there was kind of the day I turned around and and made it out alive. But nothing nothing too remarkable either way with with gambling. I'm sure we'll talk more about the plexiglass dividers and things like that later. Yeah, yes, definitely, definitely. And then you so you spent was it two nights you said at the D mm-hmm. and then you jumped over to the strip to get that that strip experience. Um, and you did the Flamingo, which is one of my, my favorite properties on the strip. It's just, I mean, the location is always great. The rooms are, they are what they are. They're comfortable enough. And, 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 uh, and I mean, it's a great spot to be. So your, your Flamingo experience this time around, how did, how did you guys enjoy it? I'd say pretty on par with, uh, with any Flamingo experience. Like I'm a fan. I know some people knock it, but you know, if if that's where your standards are, which is where mine are great say. Um, when we got there, it was really crowded at check-in, um, with social distancing definitely like made it look longer, but it was moving really slow. So I actually, I normally try to go and like charm the person checking in and get something better, but I was just like, you know what? We're in Vegas. Like I want to gamble, walk around. So I did the self check-in. And of course, as you'd imagine, floor 12 had a strip view and I got to look at the pool. So (laughs) it was... Got what I expected, but it was pretty cool to do that. Um, like I had Alex stay in line while I did it and he hadn't moved and I came back with the key and if everyone around him was just like ready to kill me. So, <laughs> you know, I was like, Hey, go, go do it over there. But yeah. that is kind of cool. I was surprised they weren't using that more actually with COVID, mm-hmm. but room was cool. The pool was really, I think they're at like half capacity or something. So there was, we were going to go check it out. But neither of us are big pool guys. There was a big line and we were just like, ah, fuck this. We'll keep going. And then um, up and down the strip, you guys hit a few restaurants and a few spots along the strip as well. 
Yeah, we, it was interesting with the restaurants. We kind of, a lot of stuff was closed and it was actually kind of difficult to find a place to eat, especially downtown. I forgot to mention that. Yeah. Um, really didn't get too, get too much food downtown because late night, like typically at my Vegas eating schedule, like wake up, you know, like 11, go drink a little bit and then get kind of a brunch, lunch, first meal of the day, and then continue being a degenerate and then eat something like nine or 10. Uh-huh. And White Castle closed at ten. Really? There you go for what downtown was like. Um, I mean, it was definitely slow. Um, we, oh, it was. I think like two a.m. And I was just like, God, I haven't eaten anything today. Like since my burger at the airport. Like it was bad. And we were just going everywhere. Like I was, you know, I'll settle for anything. I was going to do White Castle. The line at Coney Dog was like out the door. I was, it's like, fuck, I need food. And finally, we we stumbled over to downtown Grand and Freedom Beat was open for a takeout. So you had to order at the bar and you couldn't eat at the bar, but they had the seating area open. Yeah. Um, so we ended up going there and the mac and cheese, grilled cheese saved my life. That <laughs> night. Um, but on the strip, we went to Chino Poblano and it was just like booked out. Um, so we ended up just getting it to go. But that was really good. It was my first time there. Overpriced, I would say, but which, you know, is to be expected on the strip. I think it came out to like $65 for two margs, five tacos, and chilaquilas. It was all good, but it was just, this might be me being a stickler, but I hate paying a lot for to-go food. Like it's half the experience is the restaurant. Mm -hmm. And it was, I wish they would have discounted it a little bit or something, given that it was to-go and we were just, you know, inhaling it on a bench outside yeah rather than at a nice table um one interesting note at cosmo um i have i'm gold there right now um thanks to costas and his generous spending for my birthday trip um but they since the wicked spoon is closed there's typically the buy one get one free offer they're giving 15 dollars food credits at the players club each day you just have to go ask for it um, they definitely didn't communicate that, but I'd read it on Twitter. So that was pretty handy. That softened the blow. It was a free margarita. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then you're able to use that at their, because uh, are the places, the places in the food hall of the Cosmo, they were open, I'm assuming. Yeah, it was definitely, it felt like limited hours. Um, Secret Pizza, of course, was open at two. That was, that saved our life the first mm-hmm. night. Um, went there. Oh, it was so good. And then we spent like 40 bucks at Wicked P- or at uh, Secret Pizza, mm-hmm. which is a feat in and of itself. Yeah, um, that's, a, that's a lot of pizza. <laughs> we got, we, I think we got three pieces and split one and then got a cannoli and two beers. Wow. It was, had some comp dollars to use. It was like, why not? Yeah. Uh, and then the second night, this is kind of disappointing. Um, I am a diehard fan of the Flamingo cafe pizza joint mm-hmm. um, right by the habitat i know people shit on it but n- there's no better pizza at 3 a.m yeah went there and it's just a clusterfuck uh i order i'm like you know we'll get a slice of hawaiian pizza please she's like we're out of pizza like, your one job what the fuck <laughs> so then we we got a breakfast sandwich instead um and 
they were so unorganized and slow and just a mess. I'm not one to complain about service. I don't get impatient, but Mm -hmm. I was about to lose my damn mind. We were still waiting. And then like the guy in front of us was like, hey, did you guys order a breakfast sandwich? We're like, yep, he gave it to us. I'd ordered ham and cheese. This one was sausage. We devoured it. And then they called my name for the ham and cheese (laughs) and we just got it. And we're there, you know, eating too. We were going to split it. Yeah. And then the guy came over. He's like, wait, are you? I'm like, yep, this is what we ordered. Like, so we got a free sandwich for our troubles. How was your gambling on the strip? It was pretty middling as well. Um, Got, went to Chandelier um, and wanted to play video poker there the first night. And it was packed just so crowded people, you know, right next to each other, not wearing masks. So just noped right out of there and kind of fucked around on slots a little bit. Um, Had a, had one of those sessions where I kept putting 20 bucks in and not hitting anything and getting pissed and thinking I was due. And then finally hit, um, I think like four, four fours or something. And it was enough to kind of get me back in and basically, you know, I won a hundred bucks, but I was down 80. So it kind of evened out and I was like, cool, I'll call that a win. Cause I got three free drinks at the Cosmo. So we got, we got the, they, they didn't have the specialty menu available at the bar. And I kind of, I, I asked him, I was like, Hey, do you still do the two for one specialty um, deal there? And he, he was kind of, he was busy. And then ultimately I was just like, hey, I like bourbon. I like weird sh- weird stuff. What can you make me? Here's two drink tickets. And then he's like, oh, I only need one. So we got two of those to go, and it was pretty good. But yeah, just enough hits to kind of keep it going. Nothing big enough to like bank and say, all right, we're going home a winner. But nothing too brutal. It's just treading water, really. Yeah. Now, do you think that it was because I mean the the big discussion, and we'll get a little more into the 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 COVID discussion here in a bit, but. I know a lot of people were thinking, you know, are they going to turn around and be a lot tighter on the slots or a lot tighter on the on the machines after having been closed for, you know, 78 days or whatever it was that they were closed? Are they going to be a little bit tighter? So do you think it was a case of things are a little bit tighter or was it just, you know, everybody has shit luck once in a while? I think I mean, honestly, compared to some of my past trips, this was coming out with half of my bankroll was pretty good. Yeah, I mean. Like I said, there were no big winners, but it really wasn't too brutal of a loss. The table games were actually what got me. I think I did. Machines were pretty decent. If I would have stuck to my limits, I could have probably walked away with the profit a decent amount of time Um, or, you know, at least even. Um, But I don't buy into the whole slot thing of like, oh, they're going to make it tight. It's it's a lot of work to go in and adjust the the RNG and do all of that. So it's like I don't I don't think that they necessarily did that. Pay tables were the same on video poker, which is always kind of my barometer for that. Mm-hmm. The D still has the progressives, um, you know, full pay bonus poker. So I I think everything was about the same as when I left. Um, I'm not too superstitious when it comes to it, though. Like you said, it's just like a shit luck. What can you do? Yeah. Did, did you notice, because um, something that I've seen people commenting about is it seems like the um, uh, the limits uh, on the, the table games seem to be a little bit higher. Some people were saying they were having problems finding those low limit tables. Yeah, so this I feel like I can definitely talk to. Um, downtown, which is, you know, always kind of the mecca for low roll, low rolling table games, um, really wasn't as bad as I expected. Um, the $5 tables were difficult to find at most times, but $10 tables were pretty abundant and 
that's palatable for me. Not my favorite, but I, I can do that. Um, you know, still three two at the D in Golden Gate. I was actually shocked because I did find a five dollar blackjack table at the D on it must have been Friday morning um, or like kind of late morning, early afternoon. And they did bump it up to 10 while we were there, but they grandfathered us in. Um, and, you know, I turned to Alex. I'm like, we are not leaving this table. <laughs> and then we left that table when I lost $100 at $5 blackjack. But um, I was really pleasantly surprised to see that because, of course, being limited to three, I was I was afraid we were going to see green chip blackjack minimums or something. But, you know, $10 is all right. Al Cortez had 10. Um, I think, you know, I'm hoping it will return to five at some point, but I would say 10 is the new five for right now. Um, you know, kind of like you can find the $5 craps table if you go, you know, 9am or something. Yeah, I think that's what we'll see with Blackjack um, for the foreseeable future. But $10 downtown. And then on the strip, there were still some $10 tables, but as you'd imagine, they were pretty full. Um, and you're looking at 15 and that was kind of where I draw the line. I just can't bring myself to do 10 or $15, six, five. Yeah. So we played some, some $10 high card flush at the Flamingo. And that was another quick hundred for me. It was the last day. Hail Mary hoping for something. Right. Alex had some beginner's luck and kind of broke even, but that was the only table that we could find open at the Flamingo that had two seats at it of any table game. Yeah. Um, so that was, I think, the bigger challenge, actually. Right. For me at the Flamingo was finding an open table, just period, um, that wasn't, you know, $50 blackjack or something. But downtown, it was it was pretty easy to find a table. Granted, that was weekday and we were at the Strip on the weekend. So that could have been it. Fremont did look a little bit crowded from pictures I saw. But we didn't have any trouble the the first two days finding anything at, at $10. I mean, Pretty much any casino we walked in could find a $10 game, which was a big relief for me. So I, I did want to get you on to talk about the experience, because as as we we mentioned off the top, I mean, you you went to Vegas for the the big reopening um, back at the beginning of June. And I mean, you you seem you were really smart about it. You you asked people. You you asked a lot of questions. I mean, what what made you decide? You know what? I want to go. Was it just a case of I I want to be there. I need to be there. I want to see it. Where I mean, who who did you ask opinions of before you you made the decision to go? Good question. Um, of course, there's always that like Vegas itch, and you want to go. Yeah. But I had kind of just resigned myself to you know I'm not going to go anywhere. I'm just gonna you know wait here until it's safe. I didn't even know when Vegas would reopen. I was kind of going quiet on Twitter because it was painful to think about, um, you know, not being able to go. And then Alex actually said his birthday is the ninth. And he was like, Hey, you want to go to Vegas for my birthday? Think about it. And I was like, yes. And he's, he's, a, he's like, I said, think about it. I was like, I did. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so at that point, like I kind of, once the seed is planted, it sprouts really fast for me. Yeah. So I kind of looked and I was like, okay, well, I can get a cheap, like I, I booked on Southwest, like a good rate with frequent flyer miles from my Chase Sapphire card. Um, I had comp rooms at the Flamingo the whole time. So I booked that as a placeholder. Um, and then I looked at the D and, you know, saw the buy one, get one room on the week weeknights with no resort fee. And then, you know, got the free flight from Derek Stevens, which was just like, you know, cemented it. Um, but 
I, of course, wanted to be responsible. So I, I talked with a couple good friends first and they were all like, yeah, like it's important to you, you should go. Then I talked with a couple like Vegas friends online that kind of run the spectrum of beliefs about COVID, uh-huh. you know, and even the more cautious ones were like, Hey, you know, it makes sense. You're young, healthy, you know, I wouldn't do it, but go for it. And then the final one and really the biggie for me was my mom because she's a nurse and my mom. So, yeah, you know, I was kind of, I, I told her, I was like, you know, if you tell me no, I will, I will cancel it all. And she, we talked about it and she's like, you know, you love Vegas. This is a historic moment. You'll never see it reopen again. Like it's never been closed. You know, it'll be cool for you to see that you've been there for a lot. You should go do it, be safe, be cautious, but do it. So that was really all I needed to hear. And, you know, went out, took all of the precautions. But I think for me, you know, I'm a a history major. So just it it was too much of an opportunity to pass up to to see what that looks like. I love experiencing stuff, kind of getting those weird behind the scenes things and just kind of getting that new experience that no one's really had before. Yeah. So that was what pushed me to go. And I'm really glad I went, but I would be hesitant to go again for at least the next couple of months. So I guess the big, the big question would be, cause you had a trip, you went in, was it January that you were down yeah. there previously? So, I mean, not very long before everything went completely sideways. Um, what were kind of the big differences that you really noticed between the time you were down there in January and the time that you were down for the reopen? It's just kind of crazy, like thinking back of like, wow, January was, you know, I was there six months ago and just never thought anything of it. Like, you know, just the shit that we would do. Yeah. Didn't didn't think a thing of it, you know, being crowded at a bar, going in, you know, hugging people, high fiving you know, being six at a blackjack table, trying sips of drinks, just being packed in at a bar, going in, being able to find something at 3am, you know, touching chips and touching my face nervously and not thinking anything of it, right? Not having to pull a mask down to take a drink, you know, just like, like, it was just so normal. And I think I, I will say that to kind of preface the comments that I have now and in the future is like, I'm I'm not a hypochondriac, but I'm also pretty cautious and I take my, my social responsibility very seriously. Uh-huh. And I didn't want to be spreading COVID to other people being young and healthy. I'm not too worried about myself, but with my job, it would be very bad if I had brought it back. And, you know, I just didn't, I didn't want to be responsible and have, have that weighing on me. Sure. So that kind of informed myself. So I was wearing a mask as much as possible. I had a hand sanitizer on my waist, used that frequently. Um, was distancing as much as possible and avoided enclosed indoor areas. Uh So that was kind of my mindset going in. I was being pretty cautious. I would say more cautious than probably 80% of the people I saw. Uh But in terms of big differences, um, just crowds, of course. I mean, seeing Fremont empty at 3 p.m. on a Wednesday was pretty wild when we got in. Uh, We went to Cat's Meow and we're watching from above and just seeing, you know, hardly anyone was surreal. Um, Uber and Lyft were definitely down. I think we had to wait like 12 minutes at the airport and there were maybe only, you know, 10 other people waiting for a car. Um, The wait time for those was a little bit longer. I think it took, you know, it would like search for a while to find something. It got to the point where Alex and I would open Lyft and Uber and both request something and then cancel when the other one got something because it was still searching. So that was definitely slower talking with the drivers. They all said, you know, yeah, there's, there's not as many out. 
you know, they, they would be like clear across town and they'd be like, oh yeah, I got pinged to come get you. Whereas like normally they're like, oh, I had someone I was dropping off here and then I got you. But the, the drivers, it was slower. One of them told me that a lot of the drivers out there do the rental program. And when he dropped us off at the airport, he was like, you know, see that lot, that's all the rentals that are parked that no one's driving right now. From what I understand, it has gotten better now. It sounds like the wait times are returning a little bit to normal with the reopening. But that was a surreal experience to just kind of have that um, traffic on the strip even wasn't nearly as much as we're used to. I mean, foot traffic everywhere. It was just kind of crazy to kind of have like, you know, we I would say weeknight vibes on a weekend at Vegas on the strip. Um, but then, you know, the mask is a pain in the ass to be trying to drink with. I can't even imagine smoking with. Um, at Caesars, they, I mean, now it's a moot point because the gaming commission requires them everywhere. But at the Caesars, they would require you, um, like Alex would like take a drink and then forget to pull it back up and the dealer would remind him to pull it back up. Right. Um, so Caesars was pretty vigilant with that. The plexiglass, which MGM had, and then El Cortez had at half the tables. That was just definitely like, a, oh, we're in a pandemic. Um, I think, you know, overall, I would just kind of characterize as like, you'd get glimpses of Vegas, but then you'd get like a slap in the face of like, oh, we are in a pandemic. Um, like I mentioned earlier, the lack of late night food options was really brutal for me, especially with the way I do Vegas. Um, I imagine now with the reopening that there's there's more and more. But just being there for it kind of to just be like shut down felt like the mud season. Like that was that was really wild. I've never seen it so slow. I mean, just you you kind of got used to it. But literally every casino employee was wearing a mask. Mm -hmm. I talked with one of the bartenders at the view bar and he was saying, you know, the D and Golden Gate had casino branded masks um, that they were all wearing. For the most part, there were branded masks that employees all had. Of course, the El Cortez, they all were wearing masks, but they did not have a standardized one. So some of them had the surgical dust masks, some had homemade ones. I just thought that was kind of funny. But other than that, they were typically, Boyd had like a very subtle branding um, at the, the Cal and Fremont. I was personally heartbroken that Main Street was not open as a video poker player. That just kind of, I guess that put me on tilt for the trip. We're going to blame it on that, not being able to go to Boar's Head Bar. Um, but they they were not giving those out. It was really cool. The Dean Golden Gate had branded ones that they were giving out. And it was like a soft cotton one. We we were kind of joking that they were like panties um, is <laughs> what it felt like wearing. And they were definitely tight to the face, but I actually really like wearing it when I out here in Colorado, we still have to wear them. So it's nice. Like when I go for a run, that's my favorite one to do. An awesome souvenir. Um, but just seeing all of the employees in masks was definitely interesting. Um, they had temperature screenings at the D um, and going in, you know, it was like a wrist one and then it would show your temperature. Right. When we checked into the hotel, a guy had like a thermal one and he pointed it like right at our head and it felt like, you know, we were going to get shot. That was, that was just kind of like, Oh, this is the new reality for a bit. Yeah. And I mean, it kind of felt like in a lot of ways to me, it felt like, kind of safety theater it didn't really feel like it was doing much mm -hmm. um you do that going in and then people would immediately you know just take the mask off be you know i didn't see anyone be denied or anything because of that mm -hmm. we did have to remove our mask going in to look at the camera at the d um and at the cage there that was only at the d in my experience but i would say it was definitely kind of inconsistent 
just being the first day, which is what I really reveled in and wanted to be there for. Yeah. Um, Fremont, it, from what I've seen in photos, that was still the case, you know, on the this past weekend, the 18th. Mm-hmm. But um, they had little like checkpoints um, with temperature and it was kind of fenced off 21 plus, which was interesting. Yeah. Um, there were this, this is a funny one for people who, especially the ones who hate downtown, there were not as many buskers at all. Really? The circles were actually empty at some points. Um, the people banging the buckets weren't there. Um, there were still some people kind of by banger heart attack grill, but it was definitely less of that kind of Fremont street carnival experience. Also just kind of between properties. It was really interesting to see the different approaches. Um, it kind of felt like a Coke versus Pepsi deal, especially, I mean, I think downtown, I would say Derek Stevens, as is no surprise, did the best job of marketing it, um, with the, the branded masks and just kind of having that fun environment. Um, Binions and Four Queens were just kind of blah. El Cortez doing its own thing. No standardized employee thing. It's interesting to hear you say it was sort of inconsistent between properties and between companies because you would think, I mean, the way I know a lot of it came down, well, it all came down to the Gaming Commission deciding what was being done and they were going to allow openings based on what was presented to them. And to me, that that feels kind of ass backwards. Like I feel like it should be the state or the gaming commission going to the various companies and saying, okay, here's what you need to do in order to open. Not what are you going to do to open that in my mind is that that inconsistency in my mind is the worst possible thing. Oh yeah. I mean, I think, you know, too, and that was why I wanted to be out there that first weekend of just kind of people like learning what the new normal will look like. Because at Fremont, you know, at one point, like they they asked us, they were like, are you staying at a hotel on this block before we went in? But then, you know, another one was like, you know, we need your ID to to go through. And another time they just waved us through. Yeah. So it's just, it was very much kind of depending on the person. Another interesting thing um, is it looks like metal detectors. Mm-hmm. When you would go on Fremont, they're the thermal scanner, but they also can be metal detectors as well. The metal detector feature is turned off, but I talked with the security guy at the Dean. He told me that. So he's like, whoever made that sure making some money right now. <laughs> yeah, um, no kidding. Yeah. I, it was the only times that I got temperature scanned were going into the D and Golden Gate. And um, when we checked into the hotel at both places on the strip, I didn't make it up north to win on Corvenetian Palazzo. So I can't speak to those, but there was no temperature screening going into any of the MGM or Caesars properties. Although I understand that they were doing it when you checked into the hotel. That was, I think the, the most, the, the most striking thing for me was actually probably the difference between Caesars and MGM. Yeah. Cause Caesars was no plexiglass adamant about wearing masks at the table. That was the only time I actually saw it enforced, mm-hmm. but they didn't have, really any like kiosks with masks available. And this was just the funniest to me. They literally had like an industrial, like, you know, plastic bucket full of sanitizing wipes, just haphazardly dropped throughout the casino at different places with no signage. And I mean, it was clear what it was, but like there was no signage. There was no, nothing on the machines. Whereas at MGM, they had, when you came in, they definitely had signage and kind of on brand, they had kind of cutesy things of like, 
we want to welcome you back safely. Keep your your thoughts dirty, but your hands clean, like stuff like that. I mean, <laughs> nice. whoever, I, I got to give it, I'm not an MGM fan at all, but whoever is in charge over at MLife did a great job with their branding. Um, it definitely felt more cohesive. They have kiosks when you come in with masks, sanitizer, and like a little info about social distancing and stuff. Mm-hmm. They have machines shut off with the little, like they have these little like, kind of it was on plastic so it looked like it was just floating and it said this machine is shut off for your safety Mm -hmm. um that was another really oh and then they had half of their or they they had plexiglass at the tables which then i don't believe they required wearing the mask um but again it just comes down to the individual you know visitors and a lot of you know despite all of that walking through mgm and caesars most people had masks either around their neck or completely off. Yeah. Walking the strip, there were hardly any. So, you know, it comes down to individual people. Mm-hmm. That was, I think, I can't believe I forgot to say this. Just seeing the machines shut off mm-hmm. was surreal. When we got off the plane, I think it set the tone for the whole trip. When we got off the plane, there was no sound at McCarran. Like it was just quiet. All mm-hmm. the machines were shut off. They were roped off. And it's just you you really take like just that kind of constant machine noise for granted. And, you know, a lot of this stuff was closed. I think I probably took like 30 pictures just like, you know, walking to baggage claim because every it, it just didn't feel like McCarran. It felt like it felt like the Omaha airport at like 11 p.m. You know, like <laughs> when the last flight was coming in. Right. It didn't feel like Vegas. Um, fortunately, Liquor Library was open. So I was able to get my customary baggage claim beer. Um <laughs> But actually, the bag was there by the time we got there because I spent so long taking pictures and just being like, wow, this is it. And McCarran had some really cool branding. Kudos to their their depart- marketing department as well. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually, this was surreal at the baggage claim. You know how it's normally like a hodgepodge of all the different ads? Yeah, yeah. There were two things. It was like a unified, it was kind of a red theme. And they had different like gambling related cutesy things like, you know, um they were like avoid a full house keep distancing always split aces be aware of distancing you know like they had just kind of cute like little gambling related things right um and then just mccarran airport advertising so it was very unified um and slow there so that was kind of cool but just seeing the machines shut down was the most surreal um in terms of we we reopened at the d um which was just incredible um because when we got to the hotel and I will give another shout out to Derek, I promise I'm not a shill, um, <laughs> even though I gave him like, you know, 400 bucks this trip for all my free shit. Um, <laughs> he was giving out champagne to people checking into the hotel. Um, we actually checked in really early, so we didn't get it, but then we heard and went back. Mm-hmm. Um, it was definitely very celebratory mood there. And it was cool because the whole casino was roped off. Like, you know, there were kind of like the, the walkways, and there was rope that said the D six four twenty. I was there reopening Vegas, and they just kind of had those. And of course, I like to steal souvenirs. Sounds like how am I going to get one of these? Got three of them. Um, <laughs> nice. But they were actually we just ripped it off and went up to the room. Yeah. But they were cutting off little like you know it was repeating, and they'd cut off little like you know foot long things to give out to people. Right. Which I just thought was a really cool way to do it. They just kind of counted down from from ten, mm-hmm. and then everyone just kind of like people were ripping them and they just went and started gambling. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, it kind of just went from nothing switch, flip the switch and, you know, Vegas was back and, you know, kind of 
is definitely different Vegas, but it, it was almost like it was never closed. Yeah. And that was, that was pretty wild. I think Derek did a great job of kind of having that, like he had dealers at the tables, like ready to go. Yeah. Um, the tables were full. There were none shut down. He went all out on that. Mm-hmm. Um, I only encountered one sour employee the entire time. Everyone else, for the most part, was very grateful to be back. I did have one security guy. He was watching upstairs at the D because I was trying to get a peek at the ponies before they reopened. Yeah. And he's like, this is closed. And I was like, oh, sorry. I was like, well, we're glad to be back. He's like, yeah, look, we have to be here. And he just kind of <laughs> had an attitude. Uh, he's like, but everyone else was either whether they were acting and just being polite or genuinely happy, but people seemed really happy to be back. Yeah. Um, it's never felt better to tip a cocktail waitress. Yeah. Like I just, Oh my God. I, I pulled out like twice as much as I normally do for tips. I was tipping dealers every hand, a dollar dealer, but, um, you know, on a couple of them, I think that that also probably contributed to my not so profitable runs. Right. <laughs> no, I think I think at the at the Golden Gate, we we got the dealers toke stack up to like 75 bucks. And it was only us two um, at the D. We definitely were getting a lot of greens there, which was really satisfying. and Just nice to be able to give back. Yeah. Especially with all the people that they were dealing with that weren't wearing masks and, you know, risking risking their health for us degenerates to be there. Well, and I mean, I wanted to ask, like, I mean, you talked about all the the um, the staff and everybody wearing masks, and I mean, how were how were people? I mean, were were I mean, I've seen the photos and I've seen videos, and you were mentioning earlier, like everybody either wasn't wearing a mask or had a mask around their chin or whatever. I mean, what would you say percentage wise was the percentage of people that were wandering around wearing a mask or just in the casinos wearing masks, not necessarily sitting at the tables, but just kind of general populace that you noticed. I mean, wandering around, I would say 10 to 20%. Yeah. Um, it was, I would say it, it felt like there were a few more downtown than on the strip in my experience. Mm-hmm. Um, John Mahaffey on Twitter is doing a great job of kind of reporting on that. Like he's been, if, if viewers or listeners are interested in like specifics, he's been a great source there. Yeah. But it's definitely variable. Um, but very much, I would say surprisingly few mm-hmm. in my point of view. And I'm not one of the judgy people that, you know, freaks out, but it was just like, wow, like we are all here in a Petri dish and no one is wearing something. It was striking. I, the worst place for me consistently was Cosmopolitan, yeah. which is a little painful for me because I'm a big fan of Cosmo, go there every year for my birthday. But I felt actually unsafe a couple times, like at Chandelier Bar. Mm-hmm. Um, I think just going to make a generalization, but I can because I'm you know, millennial myself, but it just kind of felt like (laughs) it was a ton of people coming there that were spending daddy's money and wanted to forget that there was a pandemic. The chandelier bar was packed full. There wasn't a single mask in sight at uh, midnight on Friday and people were hugging, packed in really close, maybe three or four deep to the bar. And it was just like, nope, I'm not going anywhere near that. And when Alex and I were playing it the next day during the day, um, every other machine was shut off. Um, 
And, you know, I like witnessed this lady just being a complete bitch to the bartender and being like, well, can't I sit here? He's like, no, it's shut off, man. Well, can I order here? It's like, no, it's you need to go. And then she was just like crowding Alex. And then her fiance came over and was crowding me. He's like, this stuff is bullshit. Are you man enough to give me a hug? And it was just like those kind of people, um, you know, that were, it was just like, oh, so I thought Cosmo for sure definitely skewed younger. If you were going to try to add fuel to your anti-millennial fire, Cosmopolitan <laughs> is the place to be because holy shit. Yeah. I, I will say, you know, I don't know how many listeners have tried to drink with a mask. It is a pain in the ass. Sure. Yeah. You know, it was definitely less than I expected. And it kind of, you know, I'll be curious to see how everything plays out with like Arizona, California, all the people going. Um, of course, Clark County is not reporting, you know, all of the tourist people, but I'm going to be curious to see if we see outbreaks among the different properties with the the dealers and um, kind of employees there, because I could definitely see it, it spreading with just people coming in. Um, the Gaming Commission's order about having masks effective immediately is a little disconcerting to me in terms of the numbers. I think we'll see... Um, we'll definitely see a spike there. Um, and I think it could be a hotbed just from what I've seen in my time. So, I mean, that being said, I'm glad I was there for the reopening. I joked with my mom. That's probably the cleanest Vegas has literally ever been. <laughs> yeah. Likely, Since they, yeah. you know, deep cleaned every machine, like the carpets were spotless. There was no ash everywhere. It didn't even smell like smoke, but I think it's kind of a wait and see right now. Um, I'm not, as, as anxious and eager as I am to get out to Vegas, I'm not clamoring to to book anything right now. I kind of want to see how it all plays out um, and kind of what the ripple effects are with Arizona and everything. Yeah. So, you know, I kind of, I've been shying away on Twitter. I've, you know, have a lot of thoughts, obviously. I've been rambling on here. I've been shying away from kind of saying something because it's, I think, a very personal choice. Sure. But I would say if you are at all nervous, hypochondriac, have pre-existing conditions, are in contact with people I would avoid for now. You know, we were talking earlier before the the podcast, I'm like the last thing from a germaphobe. I'm eating flamingo pizza at 3 a.m. In my younger, less wise days, we just go around at the club and slam half drink things that people had left. But I was very nervous coming back and self-quarantined and did a test just for the peace of mind because I was very much nervous. And that's, that's not at all like me. So I would say, you know, know yourself, but if if that sounds like you, you're probably going to have some regret for going because I definitely did until the test came back negative. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a personal choice, but if you do go, please just do baseline precautions. That's what we did. And we both came back in the clear and negative, which was awesome. But, you know, I think it's definitely because of those precautions, but yeah, just kind of a wait and see for now. I'm hoping I don't know. I think it's very uncertain, but yeah. So I guess the question then would be what, what needs to happen um, before you would consider making another trip back? Is it, is it vaccines? Is it treatment? Is it just people stop being idiots? Like, I mean, people are never going to stop being idiots, but yeah, I'm not going to hold my breath. On people <laughs> not being idiots. No, but I mean, I guess it's kind of that discussion of, of what needs to happen for you to, to pull the trigger and book that next trip. I mean, I think, I think for me, I need something compelling to go. Mm-hmm. Like, of course, it's fun to go to Vegas and I love it and want to do it all the time. But I'm not itching to go just because mm-hmm. like 
circa reopening has me kind of tempted because that's historic. Um, but I think really right now for me, I'm, I'm also not of the camp of, you know, holding myself up and living life in fear. Sure. Everything's a cost benefit. Like, you know, mm-hmm. most of us are gamblers. I definitely am. And it was a calculated risk and, you know, this one worked out, but I just feel like it's like, you know, I, I just hit a nice hand on the video poker machine and it's asking me, do you want to double down and, you know, do the double up where you get the the card and try to get it higher? I'm like, you know, I'm good. I'm going to, I'm going to take this win and kind of see where we end up in a, a couple hands. Yeah. Um, so I think I'll kind of just wait and see how everything plays out. Um, it's, it's so rapidly changing. I think realistically in a month or two, there's going to be a lot clearer of a picture of like, avoid it if not you know shut down mm-hmm. or like oh actually the they're mitigating the risk really well and people are safe i just don't think it's worth kind of doubling down right now for me mm-hmm. but circa reopening definitely would have me tempted um of course like a vaccine or something like that or like an effective treatment would really push the scale in terms of me going um my birthday in january of course going to be hard pressed to hold me back from that but I think also just kind of for me personally, I'm in hot water with my job right now because we do have to do a 14 day self quarantine after returning. Right. And I feel like I need a good reason to tell them why I'm doing it again after doing it <laughs> right now. And that's, that's kind of my personal consideration, mm-hmm. but I think really just kind of making sure that I'm not putting myself in way too much of a risk. Mm-hmm. Um, to go right now feels like hitting a 17 for me. It's like, you know, I got, it's, it's not the greatest hand, but I came out all right. I don't really want to just blow it. Yeah. Depending on what it looks like for the next, you know, few months too. I think that's a big factor for people. Like my big thing is gambling and drinking and I was able to do that. Mm-hmm. So like it was a good trip for me, but the people who are a big fan of shows and fancy meals, yeah, I mean, unless you get those reservations and make sure you get in, like I couldn't get a reservation anywhere at Cosmo, you know, day of, which is my style. So it's like the restaurant dining experience is definitely different at like, you know, half capacity and with the waiter wearing a mask and stuff and shows obviously aren't a thing. Um, spas are kind of hit or miss. So it's like kind of depending on your Vegas experience too. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it definitely wasn't the Vegas that I left in January. Um, I think kind of the the best example for that for me was downtown cocktail room, one of my all time favorites. Um, and we went there, the front confusing door was not open and you had to go back through sip and tip. Um, they, I think they took our temperature. They walked us in, they gave us a seat bar was spaced like, you know, every other. So you couldn't really get that bar conversation, which is what I normally like. Mm -hmm. Um, the menu was digital. You had to do a QR code and get it on your phone. Um, they only had a limited menu of four cocktails, which like normally they have like 12 and they're all amazing. So it's just kind of, just kind of a bummer. It wasn't the same for me. Um, you know, the gambling slots were fine for the most part, video poker, but like, you know, the, with the distancing, it was kind of hard to find a seat with Alex um, and the table games, you know, with two of us being there, it was really hard to get like that fun table energy. Cause there was only one other person in the dealer. And I, I, the big thing for me is the social aspect of having that fun blackjack table with like, you know, six people, everyone's cheering, high-fiving, rooting for the dealer to bust. Like that's, that's what you chase and you just can't get that right now. So it was fun. I'm glad I went, but I'm also, I'm, I, I guess I'm more of the, like, I'm going to save up my money and make this, make the next time better. And hopefully it will be more normal. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, all of that makes perfect sense to me. And and I'm really happy that I was able to get you on the podcast to come on and talk about your experience down there. Because, I mean, going to Vegas right now is not it's not even an option for me with border closures and, and mandatory quarantines when I come home and things like that. And I can spout off on Twitter and Facebook and and my own thoughts and opinions all I want. But it's it's great to be able to have somebody who was actually there throughout the opening who can actually tell me what what it was like to be there. So so I really do appreciate you being able to to jump on and 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 chat with me for this episode of the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for listening to me ramble for the past hour. It was great to, <laughs> to kind of debrief with someone who gets it. And I will say, you know, of course, the obligatory, like, you know, this is my personal experience disclaimer. But if if anyone's listening and kind of considering going or has questions or, or wants to hear more, I know there's always kind of those specific personal questions. Um, my stuff is probably a little obsolete now just with everything that I'm sure will go because as we all know, it's a rapidly changing and developing thing, but I'm totally happy to answer anything as best I can. Um, shoot me a message or mention me on Twitter and I'll happy to share what I experienced. Perfect. Sergio, thank you so much, my friend. I, I, I appreciate it. And as I say, I'm, I'm glad you're, uh, you're home safe, you're home healthy. And, uh, and, and I appreciate all of your, your thoughts and everything for this. I, I really do. Great. Thank you, Jeff. It was great to be on. Thanks to everyone for listening. And if you do want to reach out to Sergio with any Vegas related questions, you can find him online at vivalosvalue.com or follow him on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at vivalosvalue. And that wraps up yet another episode of the podcast. If you've got feedback on this episode of the show or any other episode for that matter, or you've got suggestions and ideas for topics you'd like me to cover on the podcast, please feel free to reach out to me via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Jeff Does Vegas. You can also drop me an email directly at Jeff at Jeff Does In the meantime, thank you so much for checking out the show. Be sure to subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts so you'll know the moment new episodes are available. And don't forget to visit jeffdoesvegas.com for past episodes and show notes. My name is Jeff, and this has been episode number 68 of the Jeff Does Vegas podcast.